Section 12 of The Natural History, Volume 6. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Randall Meredith. The Natural History, Volume 6, by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 12, Book 28, Chapters 34 through 45. Chapter 34, Twelve Remedies Derived from Cheese. We have already spoken of the different kinds of cheese when treating of the mammalae and other parts of animals. Sextius attributes the same properties to mare's milk cheese that he does to cheese made of cow's milk. To the former he gives the names of hippes. Cheese is best for the stomach when not salted, or, in other words, when new cheese is used. Old salted cheese has a binding effect upon the bowels, and reduces the flesh, but it is more wholesome to the stomach than new salted cheese. Indeed, we may pronounce of aliments in general that salt meats reduce the system, while fresh food has a tendency to make flesh. Fresh cheese, applied with honey, effaces the marks of bruises. It acts also emolliently upon the bowels, and, taken in the form of tablets, boiled in astringent wine, and then toasted with honey on a platter, it modifies and alleviates gripping pains in the bowels. The cheese known as saprum is beaten up in wine with salt and dried sorb apples and taken in drink for the cure of celiac affections. Goat's milk cheese, pounded and applied to the part affected, is a cure for carbuncle of the generative organs. Sour cheese also, with oxymel, is productive of a similar effect. In the bath it is used as a friction, alternately with oil, for the removal of spots. Chapter 35. 25 Remedies Derived from Butter From milk, too, butter is produced. Held as the most delicate of food among barbarous nations, and one which distinguishes the wealthy from the multitude at large, it is mostly made from cow's milk, and hence its name. But the richest butter is that made from ewe's milk. There is a butter made also from goat's milk, but previously to making it, the milk should first be warmed in winter. In summer, it is extracted from the milk by merely shaking it to and fro in a tall vessel with a small orifice at the mouth to admit the air, but otherwise closely stopped, a little water being added to make it curdle the sooner. The milk that curdles the most floats upon the surface. This they remove, and, adding salt to it, give it the name of oxygala. They then take the remaining part and boil it down in pots, and that portion of it which floats on the surface is butter, a substance of an oily nature. The more rank it is in smell, the more highly it is esteemed. When old, it forms an ingredient in numerous compositions. It is of an astringent, emollient, repletive, and purgative nature. Chapter 36. Oxygala. One Remedy. Oxygala too is prepared another way, sour milk being added to the fresh milk which is wanted to curdle. This preparation is extremely wholesome to the stomach. Of its properties we shall have occasion to speak in another place. 
Chapter 37 The Various Uses of Fat and Observations Upon It, 52 in Number Among the remedies common to living creatures, fat is the substance held in the next highest esteem, that of swine in particular, which was employed by the ancients for certain religious purposes even. At all events, it is still the usage for the newly wedded bride, when entering her husband's house, to touch the doorposts with it. There are two methods of keeping hog's lard, either salted or fresh. Indeed, the older it is, the better. The Greek writers have now given it the name of axungia, or axle grease, in their works. Nor, in fact, is it any secret why swine's fat should be possessed of such marked properties, seeing that the animal feeds to such a great extent upon the roots of plants, owing to, to which, its dung is applied to such a vast number of purposes. It will be as well, therefore, to premise, that I shall here speak only of the hog that feeds in the open field, and no other, of which kind it is the female that is much the most useful, if she has never farrowed, more particularly. But it is the fat of the wild boar that is held in by far the highest esteem of all. The distinguishing properties, then, of swine's grease are emollient, calorific, resolvent, and detergent. Some physicians recommend it as an ointment for the gout, mixed with goose grease, bull suet, and wool grease. In cases, however, where the pain is persistent, it should be used in combination with wax, myrtle, resin, and pitch. Hog's lard is used fresh for the cure of burns and of blains too, caused by snow, with ashes of burnt barley and nut galls in equal proportions. It is employed for the cure of chilblains. It is good also for exoriations of the limbs and for dispelling weariness and lassitude arising from long journeys. For the cure of chronic cough, new lard is boiled down in the proportion of three ounces to three siathi of wine, some honey being added to the mixture. Old lard, too, if it has been kept without salt, made up into pills and taken internally, is a cure for phthisis, but it is a general rule not to use it salted in any cases except where detergents are required, or where there are no symptoms of ulceration. For the cure of phthisis, some persons boil down three ounces of hog's lard and honeyed wine, in three siathi of ordinary wine and, after swathing the sides, chest, and shoulders of the patient with compresses steeped in the preparation, administer to him, every four days, some tar with an egg. Indeed, so potent is this composition, that if it is only attached to the knees even, the flavor of it will ascend to the mouth, and the patient will appear to spit it out, as it were. The grease of a sow that has never farrowed is the most useful of all cosmetics for the skin of females. But in all cases, hog's lard is good for the cure of itch scab mixed with pitch and beef suet in the proportion of one-third, the whole being made lukewarm for the purpose. Fresh hog's lard, applied as a pessary, imparts nutriment to the infant in the womb and prevents abortion. Mixed with white lead or litharge, it restores scars to their natural color, and in combination with sulfur, 
it rectifies malformed nails. It prevents the hair also from falling off, and, applied with a quarter of a nut gall, it heals ulcers upon the head in females. When well smoked, it strengthens the eyelashes. Lard is recommended also for phthisis, boiled down with old wine, in the proportion of one ounce to a semi-sextarius, till only three ounces are left. Some persons add a little honey to the composition. Mixed with lime, it is used as a liniment for inflamed tumors, boils, and indurations of the mammalae. It is curative also of ruptures, convulsions, cramps, and sprains. Used with white hellebore, it is good for corns, chaps, and callosities, and with pounded earthenware which has held salted provisions, for imposthumes of the parotid glands and scrofulous sores. Employed as a friction in the bath, it removes itching sensations and pimples. But for the treatment of gout, there is another method of preparing it. By mixing it with old oil and adding pounded sarcophagus stone and sankfoil bruised in wine, or else with lime or ashes. A peculiar kind of plaster is also made of it for the cure of inflammatory ulcers, 75 denarii of hog's lard being mixed with 100 of litharge. It is reckoned a very good plan also to anoint ulcers with boar's grease, and, if they are of a serpiginous nature, to add resin to the liniment. The ancients used to employ hog's lard in particular for greasing the axles of their vehicles, that the wheels might revolve the more easily, and to this, in fact, it owes its name of axongia. When hog's lard has been used for this purpose, incorporated as it is with the rust of the iron upon the wheels, it is remarkably useful as an application for diseases of the rectum and of the generative organs. The ancient physicians, too, set a high value upon the medicinal properties of hog's lard in an unmixed state, separating it from the kidneys and carefully removing the veins, they used to wash and rub it well with rainwater, after which they boiled it several times in a new earthen vessel, and then put it by for keeping. It is generally agreed that it is more emollient, calorific, and resolvent when salted, and that it is still more useful when it has been rinsed in wine. Masurius informs us that the ancients set the highest value of all upon the fat of the wolf, and it was for this reason that the newly wedded bride used to anoint the doorposts of her husband's house with it, in order that no noxious spells might find admittance. Chapter 38. Suet. Corresponding with the grease of the swine is the suet that is found in the ruminating animals, a substance employed in other ways, but no less efficacious in its properties. The proper mode of preparing it, in all cases, is to take out the veins and to rinse it in sea or salt water, after which it is beaten up in a mortar, with a sprinkling of sea water in it. This done, it is boiled in several waters, until, in fact, it has lost all smell, and is then bleached by continual exposure to the sun, that of the most esteemed quality being the fat which grows about the kidneys. In case stale suet is required for any medicinal purpose, it is recommended to melt it first, and then to wash it in cold water several times, after which it must again be melted with a sprinkling of the most aromatic wine, 
that can be procured, it being then boiled again and again until the rank smell has totally disappeared. Many persons recommend that the fat of bulls, lions, panthers, and camels in particular should be thus prepared. As to the various uses to which these substances are applied, we shall mention them on the appropriate occasions. Chapter 39. Marrow. Common, too, to all these animals is marrow, a substance which in all cases is possessed of certain emollient, expletive, desiccative, and calorific properties. The most highly esteemed of all is the deer's marrow, the next best being that of the calf, and then that of the goat, both male and female. These substances are prepared before autumn by washing them in a fresh state and drying them in the shade, after which they are passed through a sieve and then strained through linen and put by in earthen pots for keeping in a cool spot. Chapter 40. Gall But among the substances which are furnished in common by the various animals, it is the gall, we may say, that is the most efficacious of all. The properties of this substance are of a calorific, pungent, resolvent, extractive, and dispersive nature. The gall of the smaller animals is looked upon as the most penetrating, for which reason it is that it is generally considered the most efficacious for the composition of eye salves. Bull's gall is possessed of a remarkable degree of potency, having the effect of imparting a golden tint to the surface of copper even and to vessels made of other metals. Gall, in every case, is prepared in the following manner. It is taken fresh, and the orifice of the vesicle in which it is contained being tied fast with a strong linen thread, it is left to steep for half an hour in boiling water, after which it is dried in the shade, and then put away for keeping in honey. That of the horse is condemned, being reckoned among the poisons only. Hence it is that the flamen of the sacrifices is not allowed to touch a horse, notwithstanding that it is the custom to immolate one of these animals at the public sacrifices at Rome. Chapter 41. Blood. The blood also of the horse is possessed of certain corrosive properties, and so too is mare's blood, except indeed where the animal has not been covered it having the effect of cauterizing the margins of ulcers and so enlarging them. Bull's blood, too, taken fresh, is reckoned among the poisons, except, indeed, at Ajira, at which place the priestess of the earth, when about to foretell coming events, takes a draught of bull's blood before she descends into the cavern. So powerful, in fact, is the agency of that sympathy, so generally spoken of, that it may occasionally originate, we find, in feelings of religious awe, or in the peculiar nature of the locality. Drusus, the tribune of the people, drank goat's blood, it is said, it being his object by his pallid looks to suggest that his enemy, Q. Sepio, had given him poison, and so expose him to public hatred. So remarkably powerful is the blood of the he-goat, that there is nothing better in existence for sharpening iron implements, the rust produced by this blood giving them a better edge even than a file. Considering, however, that the blood of all animals cannot be reckoned as a remedy in common, will it not be advisable, in preference, to speak of the effects that are produced by that of each kind? 
Chapter 42 Peculiar Remedies Derived from Various Animals and Classified According to the Maladies Remedies Against the Poison of Serpents Derived from the Stag, the Fawn, the Ophion, the She-Goat, the Kid, and the Ass We will therefore classify the various remedies according to the maladies for which they are respectively used and first of all, those to which man has recourse for injuries inflicted by serpents. That deer are destructive to these reptiles no one is ignorant, and also of the fact that they drag them from their holes when they find them, and so devour them. And it is not only while alive and breathing that deer are thus fatal to serpents, but even when dead and separated limb from limb. The fumes of their horns, while burning, will drive away serpents, as already stated. But the bones, it is said, of the upper part of a stag's throat, if burnt upon a fire, will bring those reptiles together. Persons may sleep upon a deer's skin in perfect safety, and without any apprehension of attacks by serpents. Its rennet, too, taken with vinegar, is an effectual antidote to the stings of those reptiles. Indeed, if it has been only touched by a person, he will be for that day effectually protected from them. The testes, dried, or the genitals of the male animal, are considered to be very wholesome, taken in wine, and so are the umbles, generally known as the centipelio. Persons having about them a deer's tooth, or who have taken the precaution of rubbing the body with a deer or fawn's marrow, will be sure to repel the attacks of all serpents. But the most effectual remedy of all is thought to be the rennet of a fawn that has been cut from the uterus of the dam, as already mentioned in another place. Deer's blood, burnt upon a fire of lentisk wood with dracontium, cunilago, and alkanet, will attract serpents, they say, while, on the other hand, if the blood is removed and perethrum substituted for it, they will take to flight. I find an animal mentioned by Greek writers smaller than the stag but resembling it in the hair, and to which they give the name of Ophion. Sardinia, they say, is the only country that produces it. I am of opinion, however, that it is now extinct, and for that reason I shall not enlarge upon its medicinal properties. As a preservative against the attacks of serpents, the brains and blood of the wild boar are held in high esteem. The liver also, dried and taken in wine with rue, and the fat used with honey and resin. Similar properties are attributed to the liver of the domesticated boar and the outer filaments, and those only of the gall, these last being taken in doses of four denarii. The brains also taken in wine are equally effectual. The fumes of the burning horns or hair of a she-goat will repel serpents, they say. The ashes, too, of the horns used either internally or externally, are thought to be an antidote to their poison. A similar effect is attributed to goat's milk, taken with Taminian grapes, to the urine of those animals taken with the squill vinegar, to goat's milk cheese, applied with oregonum, and to goat suet, used with wax. In addition to all this, as will be seen hereafter, there are a thousand other remedial properties attributed to this animal a fact which surprises me all the more, seeing that the goat, it is said, is never free from fever. The wild animals of the same species, which are very numerous, as already stated, 
have a still greater efficacy attributed to them. But the he-goat has certain properties peculiar to itself, and Democritus attributes properties still more powerful to the animal when it has been the only one yeaned. It is recommended also to apply she-goat's dung, boiled in vinegar, to injuries inflicted by serpents, as also the ashes of fresh dung mixed with wine. As a general rule, persons who find that they are recovering but slowly from injuries inflicted by a serpent will find their health more speedily re-established by frequenting the stalls where goats are kept. Those, however, whose object is a more assured remedy, attach immediately to the wound the paunch of a she-goat killed for the purpose, dung and all. Others, again, use the flesh of a kid just killed, and fumigate it with the singed hair, the smell of which has the effect of repelling serpents. For stings of serpents, as also for injuries inflicted by the scorpion and shrew mouse, some employ the skin of a goat newly killed, as also the flesh and dung of a horse that has been out at pasture, or a hare's rennet in vinegar. They say, too, that if a person has the body well rubbed with a hare's rennet, he will never receive injury from venomous animals. When a person has been stung by a scorpion, she-goat's dung, boiled with vinegar, is considered a most efficient remedy. In cases, too, where a buprestus has been swallowed, bacon and the broth in which it has been boiled are highly efficacious. Nay, what is even more than this, if a person applies his mouth to an ass's ear and says that he has been stung by a scorpion, the whole of the poison, they say, will immediately pass away from him and be transferred to the animal. All venomous creatures, it is said, are put to flight by a fumigation made by burning an ass's lights. It is considered an excellent plan, too, to fumigate persons, when stung by a scorpion, with the smoke of burnt calves dung. Chapter 43. Remedies for the Bite of the Mad Dog. Remedies derived from the calf, the he-goat, and various other animals. When a person has been bitten by a mad dog, it is the practice to make an incision round the wound to the quick, and to make the patient take either veal broth or hog's lard, mixed with lime, internally. Some persons recommend a he-goat's liver, and maintain that if it is applied to the wound, the patient will never be attacked with hydrophobia. She-goat's dung, too, is highly spoken of, applied with wine, as also the dung of the badger, cuckoo, and swallow, boiled and taken in drink. For bites inflicted by other animals, dried goat's milk cheese is applied with oregonum and taken with the drink, and for injuries caused by the human teeth, boiled beef is applied. Veal, however, is still more efficacious for the purpose, provided it is not removed before the end of four days. Chapter 44 Remedies to be adopted against enchantments. The dried muzzle of a wolf, they say, is an effectual preservative against the malpractices of magic, and it is for this reason that it is so common to be seen fastened to the doors of farmhouses. A similar degree of efficacy, it is thought, belongs to the skin of the neck when taken whole from the animal. Indeed, so powerful is the influence of this animal in addition to what we have already stated, that if a horse only treads in its track, it will be struck with torpor in consequence. Chapter 45. Remedies for Poisons 
In case where persons have swallowed quicksilver, bacon is the proper remedy to be employed. Poisons are neutralized by taking ass's milk. Henbane, more particularly, mistletoe, hemlock, the flesh of the sea hare, apocarpathon, farrakhan, and dorysnium, the same too where coagulated milk has been productive of bad effects for the bee stings, or first curdled milk, should be reckoned as nothing short of a poison. We shall have to mention many other uses to which ass's milk is applied, but it should be remembered that in all cases it must be used fresh, or, if not, as new as possible, and warmed, for there is nothing that more speedily loses its virtue. The bones, too, of the ass are pounded and boiled, as an antidote to the poison of the sea hare. The wild ass is possessed of similar properties in every respect, but in a much higher degree. Of the wild horse, the Greek writers have made no mention, it not being a native of their country. We have every reason to believe, however, that it has the same properties as the animal in a tame state, but much more fully developed. Mare's milk effectually neutralizes the venom of the sea hare and all narcotic poisons. Nor had the Greeks any knowledge from experience of the urus and the bison. Although in India the forests are filled with herds of wild oxen, it is only reasonable, however, to conclude that all their medicinal properties must be much more highly developed than in the animal as found among us. It is asserted also that cow's milk is a general counterpoison, in the cases above mentioned, more particularly as also where the poison of ephemeron has settled internally, or cantharides have been administered, it acting upon the poison by vomit. Broth, too, made from goat's flesh, neutralizes the effects of cantharides in a similar manner, it is said. To counteract the corrosive poisons which destroy by ulceration, veal or beef suet is resorted to, and in cases where a leech has been swallowed, butter is the usual remedy, with vinegar heated with a red-hot iron. Indeed, butter employed by itself is a good remedy for poisons, for where oil is not to be procured, it is an excellent substitute for it. Used with honey, butter heals injuries inflicted by millipedes. The broth of boiled tripe, it is thought, is an effectual repellent of the above-mentioned poisons, aconite and hemlock more particularly. Veal suet also has a similar repute. Fresh goat's milk cheese is given to persons who have taken mistletoe, and goat's milk itself is a remedy for cantharides. Taken with Taminian grapes, goat's milk is an antidote to the effects of ephemeron. Goat's blood boiled down with the marrow is used as a remedy for the narcotic poisons, and kid's blood for the other poisons. Kid's rennet is administered where persons have taken mistletoe, the juice of the white chameleon or bull's blood, for which last, hare's rennet in vinegar is also used by way of antidote. For injuries inflicted by the pastinica and the stings or bites of all kinds of marine animals, hare's rennet, kid's rennet, or lamb's rennet is taken in doses of one drachma in wine. Hare's rennet, too, generally forms an ingredient in the antidotes for poisons. Moth that is seen fluttering about the flame of a lamp is generally reckoned in the number of the noxious substances. Its bad effects are neutralized by the agency of goat's liver. Goat's gall, too, is looked upon as an antidote to venomous preparations from the field weasel. But we will now return to the other remedies, 
classified according to the various diseases. End of section 12. Recording by Randall Meredith.